son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the best podcast, The Side of the Milky Way, um, where, Jesus Christ, <laughs> everyone, um, I'm sorry, I had a great um, intro that I definitely didn't get distracted from. Um, everyone is normal on the side. Thank you. How are you? Um, we are the Comics Collective, and every week we talk about a comic or graphic novel of our choice. Um, I'm Anne. I'm Alexis. I'm Dallas. And, and I'm Evan Von Doom, special guest. <laughs> <laughs> I just hopped in there. There's too much with Salas. I feel that void. Evan is the fourth <laughs> is the fourth member of this podcast. Evan so. is the fourth member of this podcast. And unlike some others in this podcast, he is not a menace. So I'd like to say thank <laughs> yeah, you, Alexis. Evan, for being here today. Yeah, sorry. Anytime. Didn't mean I'm to call you out like this. Today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you are. And I really appreciate that. I just wish it ran in the family, you know? It um, doesn't. I'm the only in one. Our family. <laughs> no, if you think Anyways, why are we is talking? Dad, meet our dad. <laughs> we are talking about Invincible today, and not just about Invincible. We are talking the end, the finale, the pretty little bow that gets wrapped up at the end. Um, I'm sure everyone makes it out of this alive and unscathed. It was very um, emotional in all the best ways. Um, yeah, this is this has been a long, long journey. 144 issues down. How does everyone feel getting through you, all of this in four months? <laughs> you bitches could have given me a warning. I am upset at every single one of you. What? What do we do? There what is happened? so much in this last chunk that I was like, well, there goes the whole fucking story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just need to go sit in the corner and recover. Yeah, I, I started reading this and I realized I'm not sure what we warned you about in this quarter. Literally like, nothing. Yeah, sorry. That we was, gave um, you enough a hint, I think, about Robot without spoiling things, but preparing you that something could possibly happen with them. <laughs> like she's um, coughing. <laughs> either way, I'm just going to blame Dallas for this one again. Oh. Um, Always. Thank you, Dallas, for being the perfect scapegoat. Um. <laughs> Yeah, 144 issues in four months. Actually, the slowest I've ever gone through this series. So, mm -hmm. you know, props to me. This last this last quarter, I think, goes by in the blink of an eye. Because oh, unlike so the, the parts that come before, this feels like it's like one main plot all coming together, that focused end. No more side stops, no more side stories. We are just with Mark and Adam Eve until the very end here. So mm. with that being said, I know it's a lot to talk about, but does anyone want to go first on their thoughts? thoughts and feelings over this section of Invincible and as you know and over the series as a whole what you think about this conclusion I feel like personally this conclusion is the best possible conclusion that could have ever happened for a comic like this like this comic 
was, I mean, I loved it the whole time I read it, but this ending just made it so much better. It really did like tie it up in such a nice little bow for all of us. Even if that blow, even if that bow was soaked in everybody's blood, um, (laughs) it's fine. But it was, this last quarter was like full on whiplash. I was like, what the hell is happening? I feel like I texted Dallas like six times in the past 24 hours where I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's going on. And I was like, they pulled a lost. They pulled a lost. No. <laughs> he woke up and it was all a dream. I, li- I literally went and laid on my living room floor after that. I was like, okay, this is only the beginning. We're not even really that far in yet. But it was, it was, it was good. I'm a big fan and I would recommend this to literally anybody, except for maybe my 14-year-old sister, but purely because she's 14. Got it. Age restriction. Perfect age to start. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, 14, old enough for violence. Yeah. That's a wake-up call. <laughs> Evan, what did you think? I think, and I don't mean this with hyperbole in mind. There's no exaggeration. There's mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind. There's no contest. There is nothing else to say about this comic except for this comic. Invincible is the greatest comic in the goddamn universe. There's no equal. There's nothing like it. There will never be anything like it. Any doubters should shut the hell up. They don't know what to talk about. What else has the perfect beginning, a shocking beginning, a perfect middle, big battles, big fights, big beautiful people, strong antagonists, strong protagonists, a protagonist that changes constantly every single volume, constantly evolving, changing, backtracking, going forward. No one else is doing it like Invincible. And no one landed the ending better than Invincible. This is the best goddamn comic in the goddamn universe. There's nothing better. I'm not talking about superhero comics. I'm talking about like I'm not talking about just colored comics. I'm not talking about a certain subsect of comics. It's about all comics of all universe. Nothing is like Invincible, and nothing's greater than Invincible. I love this goddamn comic. Help answer your question. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think it, I think that'll cover it. Um, thank you for the energy. Really, really appreciate it tonight. Dallas, how about you? What are your thoughts on the ending of Invincible? So before I get to that, I want to say the first exposure I had to Invincible is when I met the artist Ryan Otley and he gave me a bunch of Invincible merch because he figured that's why I knew him. When in reality, I just knew him because I liked his art on Twitter. And so I was like, thanks. I don't know what any of this is. Thank you very much. And then I followed him on Twitter, obviously. And so I saw him post a page of a white lion man with blood all over his face, jumping up into the sky at a mustachioed man covered in blood, dive bombing at him from above. And he's like, uh, current whip, like what I'm working on right now. And I was like, what the hell is that? And so I went and I looked back at that invincible merch and I saw this guy that I would learn. His name is Omni man who had a mustache and looked kind of like that guy that was dive bombing at the lion. And I went, Oh, that's from invincible. I'll start reading that. And so I spent my entire time. The only thing I knew about invincible was at some point Omni man was going to fight this white lion man. And I was like, is this when it happens? Is this when it happens? And when I finally got to that page 30 minutes later, based on how fast I read this comic, I was elated, shocked that it was not what I thought it was, and so hyped because 
of where the story was now at. And I feel like that is a great way to sum up my experience with the last chunk of Invincible. This week I sat down and I was like, man, I don't really want to be reading Invincible this week. It's like, I kind of want to read a novel, like just hang out with my wife on this vacation, break from work. Like, I don't want to read like 40 issues of a comic. Like, I, eh, I'm just not in the mood this week. And then I read two issues and something happens two issues in that I was like, ugh, this is something I don't want to deal with right now. I was like, I, I got to do it for the show. And so then I read the third issue and then I was 20 issues in to our reading assignment for the week. And I was like, I forgot that the end of Invincible is somehow better than all of Invincible. Like all of Invincible is incredible. And then the ending of Invincible is so good and fixed any issues. I feel like I've been a little bit of a naysayer the last two episodes where I've been like, there have been things I'm not so sure about. Like, I don't know how this comic has aged. I used to love it more that were fixed all of a sudden in the end. And then the end hit so damn hard that I was like, you know what? You may have stumbled a little bit, but I'm just going to call them like a shutter step there in the middle. Cause boy, did you plow through to the end? And it was incredible. There's no comic like it. I love this comic book. I love the characters in this comic book. And I can't think of maybe Sandman has this good of an ending of a comic book. And I don't know though. I think Invincible might've pulled it best ending in a comic. Hell yeah. Oh, so that's so great to hear. It's one of those very, very special um, episodes where everyone is on the same page here. This is one of the best finales I've ever read in my entire life. This is a book, 144 issues long. Um, I don't know. God knows how many pages with so many plots going on at the same time. It feels like everything plus the kitchen sink is in here and somehow all of it gets resolved by the end. All of it feels like it's satisfying. All of it feels like I got the answers I wanted. And yet there's still like more things that could be explored here that leave me wanting more. But it's not like it's not like I'm unsatisfied with that. It's like there's a burning love for the ending where I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever read and I don't want it to end. It sh- I, it's like, I feel like it shouldn't end because it feels like a good friend and I want to keep hanging out, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm glad that this book ended the place it did. I'm glad it ended the way it did. I think the overall mes- message it gives is one that is fantastic and hopeful, despite all the blood that came before it. Um, also, by the way, final warning, I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you haven't read it yet. We are going full spoilers. Nothing's being held back. Um, this is pure, it's, it's one of the books you, you hand to someone, you watch them read those first few issues and you just know, you just hope they keep with it. Cause you're like, I want you to feel what this is like at the end. I want you to have those same tears in your eyes. I want you to smile the same smile I was smiling these are emotions I want to share with you. And it's it's a beautiful, beautiful story in that way. And it goes through a lot of ups and downs, and there's definitely tragedy along the way. But overall, I think this is a book that couldn't have ended any other way. Um, so with that being said, there's a lot to break into, and I've divided it up into the different story beats. Do we want to start chronologically, or do we want to... St- do we want to talk about that ending first? Because we do it chronologically. Mm. There's going to be a pretty heavy beat we got to cover first. I say we should do it chronologically, but 
I am down for either way you guys want to do it. As long as I get to talk about Reboot at some point. <laughs> oh, we will I'm... absolutely talk about Reboot. I also vote chronologically because I feel like if we get over the shit part, then we can go to the fun part for the rest of the episode. Absolutely. We start on the one low moment. Um, so just to give everyone a heads up, there's going to be a lot of um, discussing very, very sensitive issues. Um, for maybe the next 10 minutes, we're going to be talking about sexual assault. So if that's something that you don't want to listen to, <clears throat> it's completely okay if you check out this episode completely understandable if not we we won't spend any more than 10 minutes on it so if you want to skip forward be my guest please do so but we can't go any further without talking about one of the opening scenes to this this quarter um the moment between mark and anissa the mm. this quarter actually starts with mark being trapped on a parallel world trapped there by robot of all people in a daring turn um <clears throat> it's it felt like an almost anticlimactic end to the angstrom levy story i love that we get the the moment of like you know it's it's okay i forgive you and then immediately beheaded um <laughs> very very quickly that i out of all these issues i feel like that was the one issue that almost didn't fit just mark trying to get his way out of that alternate real alternate world it just it happens and it's done and it's i forgot about it a moment after i've read it is there anything in there that we want to talk about? I want to talk about uh, Monster Baby. Okay, the, Monster uh, Baby's pretty good. <laughs> Monster Baby was dope as hell. They threw out Monster Girl, who's a baby now, because Robot never made her special belt. And she was gigantic and very scary. <laughs> and I was like, dang, I like that. <laughs> also, I want to just... He's not going to be in this chunk, so I just want to pour one out one more time. Angstrom Levy, you're one of the realest villains of all time. I think you are incredible. You are sinister. You are motivated by nothing but spite. And I think that's incredible. You are, to Mark Grayson, what Dr. Octopus (laughs) is to Spider-Man. And I think that rules. I need to know so much more about his anime villain son who shows up at the end with the the fox on his shoulders. (laughs) I thought that was a daughter. Is that a son? Yeah, it's a son. Is it a daughter? Oh, I recall it being a son. It could be a... They could so, be non-binary uh, for all we know. Yeah. The offspring. Yeah. Whoever they are, they slayed. So that's all that matters. Angstrom Levy, offspring Levy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> offspring Levy. <laughs> I feel like Angstrom Levy is in the same boat as Necra. Forever one of the greatest villain- villains of all time, purely just because they literally hate everyone. Yes. <laughs> Oh my uh, god! No, I agree with you though, Anne. I think that issue kind of does for me. It was a great when I'm reading it uh, as a binge, which is how I keep reading Invincible. You guys keep telling me, "Oh, start here. That's where we're going," and then I read the whole thing again. And you go, "Start here. That's where I read the whole thing again." So for this one, I didn't even read this section. Now I wrote it, read it back when uh, we recorded the last episode. So I just followed through uh, on the escalation and the and the momentum where. Um, robot drops off invisible in this foreign world kills the alternate world invincible cuts off angstrom levy's head and then dips and then the next issue is him trying to fix it really quickly the that momentum carries over very nicely when you're reading it one after the other but i could see it totally mm-hmm. how like a month later if you come up and pick up that issue again then there's just one issue and then you're kind of out of that situation so i get both sides of that but i think from just the bingeable side of things i really enjoyed that issue i don't i didn't think it like slacked off at all especially when you get back to the world after that and you're like what the hell is gonna happen next 
And then, unfortunately, something really unfortunate uh, happens. Uh, yeah. The and then after couple, that, it's fun again. The next couple issues are pretty brutal. Yeah. There's, <clears throat> and that's such a great point. I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> Hopping back into it, that was, I I think it's like the anticipation of what's to come, where it's like, I just want to rip this off like a Band-Aid. Please just get it over with. And yeah, it's it's fun. But let's, let's, let's rip that off. So mm. in the issue when they come back, um, Mark runs into Eve, but it turns out he's been gone for about six months, which is, you know, never great. And Eve and him have a fight. And immediately after the fight, he runs into Anissa who takes it upon herself to force herself on Mark. And it is very shockingly graphic reading back this time. I think the first time I read through it, I was just, I had no idea what was happening until it was like done. I'm like, what did I just read? This time knowing what was coming, it was very, very shocking. Yeah. I remember being a kid and reading this for the first time and thinking it was really, um, I, lack of a better word, I thought it was really cool to see this happen. Not because obviously I agree with what happened, but mm-hmm. just from someone who grew up reading Nightwing and that conversation never happened after his sexual assault. Um for me, I thought it was really more empowering to see someone go through that and then us being able to read a comic that has that conversation. And as a kid, I thought that was really powerful and cool. But then I grew up um, and then I listened to other people online who are actual survivors talk about it and how graphic it is. And that when Mark and Eve actually do have the conversation, it's not a very good one. Um, and then going back and reading it with their thoughts in my mind, I do agree now that I thought it was terribly poorly handled. And it mm-hmm. does read as shock value in this issue. And I think that's very unfortunate, very gross. Because this was, I hope the if the show does do this, I hope they do a better job with it and get actual writers um, who know what they're talking about. Because, mm-hmm. like, respect to Robert Kirkman, I understand what he was trying to do. Um, but it just doesn't play out well because he just doesn't do a good job with this, unfortunately. This topic is just way beyond him. He probably should have had a, a secondary writer if he really wanted to handle this. They should have framed the entire scenario entirely different. So there's just a lot of unforgivable things in this that kind of makes the whole conversation moot at some point because it's like, it's just so gross to actually read each time. Oh, absolutely. Um, Lexi, Dallas, do either of you have any um, quick thoughts on this? Yeah, I kind of want to piggyback a little bit off of what Evan said. Like, I fully agree that with this being my first read through initially, the actual reading of it was, of course, horrible, violent. It was really, in my mind, unnecessary. It kind of made me think back to our last conversation that we had about um, the scene where all of a sudden um, Mark comes back and Eve has gained weight. It's like used as a shock value to progress the story in an unnecessary way. Like you don't need to give a character this type of trauma for them to have growth. Like, I feel like that's something that comes up with a lot of different shows, movies, books. Like, you don't need to do that to a character for them to have the type of growth that you want and the type of story progression. Um, It just honestly is... Especially, I, I mean, luckily, I hate to be that person, but luckily I can say, like, I have never had or never had any experience or had anyone close to me that has an experience like that. So I don't personally get triggered by something like that. But if you were somebody that was reading something like this unexpectedly, stumbling across that, like this is something 
visceral. Like this is a very violent scene. And I feel like also it it for me was one of the things that never really got tied up because we also see a conversation that he has later down the issues with his dad and his dad's like, oh, well, that's just how it is on Viltrum. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking gross. I don't like that. Like that, that was unnecessary. So I agree that like, yes, it is good to have representation about these topics, but it needs to be written by somebody that understands the magnitude of it. And I don't think that, um, that Kirkman had that full intention. I feel like he had a good intention, but he didn't execute the way that was necessary. Yeah, I think I'd piggyback a little bit off of like the uh, the jump scare nature of it. The uh, one of the most notorious versions of this for me is the introduction of Petrichor in Saga. Like I I love Saga. I think it's an excellent comic. I think Petrichor is one of my favorite characters in fiction ever. And the first page of her introduction is very much used as a page turn jump scare. And so that has become kind of the main example for this approach in comics to we're going to be talking about a hard topic. And I'm going to startle you with it before then we get into my thoughtful deconstruction of it. It's like, why use it? A, why use it as like a jump scare or as like a salacious moment? If your point is that you want to have a grown up conversation about it, why are we approaching it in such a juvenile way to begin with? Um, but B, I then start to pull on the thread of like important adult conversation because I like Evan. I initially was like, wow, I can't believe they tackled that. And then with this read through, I found that it largely boiled down to um, intimacy issues between Eve and Mark is largely like what the story consequence was, because ultimately Anissa progresses to the kind of person who wouldn't do this off page. Mark comes to terms with it for the most part off page. Um, Nolan has to deal with the fact that his culture was backwards and then sort of, I guess, like all of the hard conversations, all of the character growth that comes out of this moment happens away from us other than the intimacy issues between Eve and Mark are ongoing. And I think... That if that is your main story goal, there are other ways to talk about that. You, If you want to talk about intimacy issues within a marriage, I think there are significantly less triggering ways to have that conversation. And that can be an interesting conversation in and of itself that isn't salacious and that would feel of a piece with this comic. This has been a comic that for a time used to cut away from sex scenes because it was a comic for families. And then it was a comic that had some pretty spicy sex scenes because it was like the honeymoon phase of our characters being into each other. And if you want to move into we're in love, but that fire isn't the same as it was 30 issues ago, that could be really interesting. That could be an interesting comic. And I think bringing in this very real world trauma to that is to me unnecessary. Again, I'm not saying like that was the through line. I think ultimately Robert Kirkman did want to talk about sexual assault, specifically sexual assault towards men. And I just think in execution that ended up only serving the purpose of intimacy issues. And so I don't know, felt unnecessary felt. Mm -hmm. And then 
I don't know. I will get at the end into like the character of Marky and uh, Mark's relationship with Marky. I think that's probably the most interesting thing to come out of this. And I just still don't like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about that. You know what I mean? Right. It's reading back. I tried to find, I tried really hard to see if Kirkman has had more recent thoughts on it. Cause I swore that I heard that he has, but I couldn't find the source for that anywhere. I'm not sure if Lexi was any more fortunate in that regard. Really? The only thing that I found is that they do have full intentions on including this in the TV show. Really? Yeah. And Did- that was a interview done with Amazon. Okay. Well, it's, <laughs> I hope this, t- I think the biggest issue is that this felt like a decision that was very half-assed on Kirkman's part. And I think poorly executed on Otley's too. I don't like the way that that scene was drawn and depicted in the comic. I don't think the message of the writing and the message of the art match up perfectly. Cause I'm still seeing Ryan Otley drawing very, very sexualized art, which in that moment is not appropriate. And I wouldn't, and I don't appreciate that. I think that Otley definitely dropped the ball a bit there. Um, and it's just the little, the bits and pieces we get are nice. It's having these conversations is important, especially on the subject of, uh, female on male assault, which is not treated often with the same severity or seriousness as like male on female assault. And I think there's a lot that needs to be talked about there. And it's a very important conversation and how Mark is feeling afterwards. I thought was, it was great to see that because like you said, Evan, the last time I could think we saw something like this was when it happened to Nightwing and it's just kind of brushed aside and never talked about again. There's opportunity there for something special to be said but it gets pushed aside in favor of everything that happens in space and everything that's going on with the main plot. And Dallas brings up a great point. Everything that everything important that happens here emotionally happens off page. And that's, that's why I said that it felt half-assed from Kirkman's perspective, because it felt like they made this decision and then saw the response and like backed away from it. They're like, if we just pretend it never happened, we can just move away and it'll be fine. But then you like want to, have Marcus later too and all the stuff with Anissa which is interesting but half delivered upon so sadly I think it's just another case Kirkman in an interview was talking and he said it's very unfortunate that rape has been a go-to thing in superhero comics there have been other female male rape in comics and there's been an insane amount of male and female rape in mainstream superhero comics and it's a very strange trope that's worked its way in and he goes on after that to specify that he wanted to try something different with it And I just don't feel that this is any different than any other time I've seen it before, other than this one cares about what its main character feels for at least a little bit after. Yeah, it's definitely different and and a little bit better, but also like not better at all. Because again, Mm -hmm. the shock value, I think those other comics don't use it so much for shock value. The, The ones I remember, like the Nightwing comic in particular, when you read it, it doesn't feel like the comic even understands what the problem is. And so... And then it's never really brought up. So you're kind of just like, mm-hmm. does the comic know what happened? Like, does the comic even have an issue with this? But then you read Invincible and you're like, this comic is definitely condemning this. But then we don't talk about it at all. And it's kind of hinted at for 
like 12 issues and then finally brought up again kind of a little bit and then not again at all and it's brought up again at the end randomly so it's definitely like i'm not trying to like say kirkman's a bad person or good person because of this Mm -hmm. i definitely from the interview i was reading the same interview he definitely wanted to tackle this issue in a new way and in a progressive way so for people people could take that how they want to if they want to hate him or not i have no opinion on that but I could definitely tell you that the comic does not execute it in the way he definitely wanted to do it. Sorry, I interrupted you, Dallas. No, that was that was spot on. Um, I think my where I do find issue though is in how how do I say this? I, I feel like there are interesting threads that are picked up on post reboot, and mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about it because I. I think Marcus or Marky is an interesting character. I think the character progression of Anissa is interesting. I think like there are a lot of things in that five years later section that I find very interesting. And it's more just that the five years where that growth was made is missing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, we wanted to have a conversation about this. And so you showed me the thing. And then you showed me the like end results, but you actually skipped the conversation. And I think that's where my issue lies. And so it always does feel a little weird though, like liking that back half stuff, like finding the things I said were interesting, finding them interesting. I'm like, Oh, am I like, why do I like these things? You know what I mean? Like they're tied up in this thing that I really didn't like. Totally, totally understand. Does anyone have any final thoughts on this before we move on to what comes next? And to anyone who stuck with us through that, thank you. I hope that you found the conversation enlightening. And um, yeah, I promise that nothing we cover for the rest of this is going to be nearly as serious as that. So the only other thing I'd want to say about it um, is, well, I guess like two things. The one side thing would be picking back it up a little bit after Dallas is that this comic is about change. So mm-hmm. it does kind of bring up this hard to talk about thing is of if someone with these terrible beliefs or ideas can change. And we see that in Nyssa. Um, and like Dallas was also saying, the work wasn't shown for that. But I think that is a conversation that could have been very interesting to have that just wasn't done at all. Um, another thing I would say is that what I think personally doesn't really matter. What matters is the readers who read this and had, took issue with it because they mm-hmm. went through something similar or know about it better than I do. I don't know enough about this type of topic. I'm always the type of person that just shuts up and listens when people are complaining. Not, I don't want to say complain, but criticizing this. So mm-hmm. I would 100% say, um, I hope my words, if anything, are pushing you to listen to these voices more because those are the voices that really matter in this situation. Absolutely. Also, I want to say, really fucking gross that Valentine's thing they did for Anissa. I don't know if you guys ever saw that or remember it, but it was really gross. So I want to say, like, to everybody involved with that, what the fuck was up with that? That was weird. But anyway, I want to move on now. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but I I'll am find Googling it, it. Yeah. I found it. Holy shit. I found it yeah. on Reddit. Oh, my yep. fucking God. It's bad. I'm. We don't even have to read it out loud nope, or anything absolutely not not in a million it is years really like actually. i don't know who thought that was funny i don't know how they thought that was even related to the conversation happening or if that happened before 
this happened in the book, but just because, because from that interview, we know that Robert Kirkman especially was planning this for a long time. Oh yeah. So I'm just saying it's really gross. I hope it was an accident because it was, uh, it was something to say the least. Yep. I hope it's someone who had not picked up the comic and has no yeah. idea and just made an accident. Um, if you want to Google that, that's on your own, but jumping off of that, um, let's go into what happens next. And it's, we're going to pick up on the thread that <laughs> we got cut off the last time. And it's robot has decided to make a turn. He got back from his special planet where he was the fascist dictator for a long time. And he's like, you know what? That shit kind of slapped. Let's do that again. Round two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> um, yeah. And the invincible universe has almost like its little ultimatum moment where we get to see a lot of characters that have, you know, kind of existed on the fringe get, um, what's the, the colloquial way to say this? Um, fucking Oft. dead. I think, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> this is this is a brutal, brutal arc. Um, Robot has decided that the only way to secure peace on Earth is to basically take it into his own hands, and he views a lot of the other heroes and superpowered individuals as kind of, you know, loose agents um, that he can't trust, so he just takes them off the board. And even almost kills Monster Girl in the process, which was... Yeah, it's it's a lot. What do we what do we think about robots move here? Was it something that we saw coming or did this take you completely by surprise? I need Alexis first. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me be honest. I kind of did see the evil overlord robot coming purely because we got a little sneak peek of him last time, ditch and mark. So I was like, oh, here he comes. <laughs> This is going to be bad. But I didn't know it would be to the full extent that it was. Like, he full on takes over Earth for, like, the rest of the story, basically. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is lovely. Honestly, though, this might just be my, me being naive. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Evan Nobody just knew. gave her the biggest <laughs> rut row look I've ever seen. Uh, I'm just curious because when Cecil was doing this shit, you had a huge issue, but now all of a sudden, so okay, is Robert, Robot's doing it better? I don't know. Rose's energy for Dinosaur? I don't know. I just have questions. Now. How is Robot any saying- different from Dinosaurus? That's I'm what I'm saying. saying. No, that's no. Hold on. That's what I'm saying. Little, uh, you had issues with raw dinosaurs. You had issues. You have huge issues with I Cecil. I said dinosaurs had the right point, but poor execution. So your poor execution wasn't. We should save more people. It was we should kill more people. <laughs> we should stop all of our haters. No, I just said we I should say that. who's doing it. <laughs> all I'm saying is it feels racially motivated, Alexis. hundred percent. What? I don't like dinosaurs. Dino- yeah, no. <laughs> well, Who's the first person that got killed in that? Besides, what did Cecil get killed first? Yes. Yeah. Who was the second person to get killed in that situation? I don't. You don't even know his name. Black, Black Samson. <gasps> Damn. Literally in the name. Wait, no. Technically, Angstrom Levy was first. So that's I, two. There we go. <laughs> well, it's not looking good. And then he killed a Martian. This is gross. So it was deserved. He said, "Absolutely he not." He is a crusty little man who probably smells like cheese. Thank you. So, Alexis, I want to get back to you when you were like, "I really like Robot. I'm interested to see where his story goes." I'm what obsessed. do you have to say about where his story goes? <laughs> Talk to me as number one robot fan that I know. <laughs> Where are we at? That was never true. Number I one was robot stand. Stand. It is now. Cape. 
unlike Tara. Um, <laughs> um, honestly, I can't say I'm surprised. I do have to say I like Robot's story. Like, just for him as a whole, it makes sense. Of course he'd want to be Overlord. He was Overlord. You can't just take that from a man and expect him not to want to do it again. So, understandable. <laughs> you can't just take away a fascist's ability to fash. <laughs> They're gonna want to fash again. <laughs> I mean, what's the deal? That's- We're taking away the fascism. <laughs> Listen, he wants to be a little fascist. I don't see the harm, says Alexis. As long as I get universal health care, let him be a little fash. Am I right? You gotta vote blue, no matter who. Sometimes it's a fascist robot. Wait, wait, wait. wait. That's true. That is how I feel filling out my ballot sometimes. (sighs) Okay. Has everyone here seen the movie Klaus? The yes, animated movie? Yes. Yes. No. So <gasps> then that's in, a problem. Oh, you'd I'll, I'll watch it this year. I'll Absolutely. watch it this watch year. Watch it tonight, damn it. It's very good. <laughs> okay, damn. I'm not saying this for the fascist apologizer. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a part in Klaus where there are like two warring families. And one, I made a joke early in the movie this time, watch my wife. Watching with my wife. I was like, that <laughs> team. My wife. Watching my Klaus. <laughs> no, there's like the team that has like black hair and they all kind of look like Tim Burton characters. I was like, those are the Democrats. And then, and then there's like all these like plump characters with like red hair that have like like Viking vibes Bucky. to them. I was like, there's the Republicans. And we laughed about that. And then later in the show, the, the leader NPR. of the of the Republican Party says the dumbest thing ever. He's like. <laughs> And the leader of the Democrats, as I said, them, she looked at her and she's like, how have we never defeated you? And we just <laughs> died laughing. We were like, it fits so good. I love her. The leader of that family is so funny. She is so over all of them. Gosh, yeah. So Evan, funny. The moment you finish that movie, you got to text me because you're oh, going to love it. Well, oh, you're going to cry I, ugly tears. I don't know. I don't know how I haven't seen it yet. That's just been on my list. It's one of those movies I was like, oh, I'm going to wait to watch this when it comes out. Missed it. it and I was like, it's no longer Christmas. It's I now January it, 1st. I watch it multiple times a year, mm-hmm. every year since it came out. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen that oh, movie shit. like 10 times, 12 times. plus. Hell yeah. It, oh, that's it's only been three years. Yeah. I was going to watch Spirited next, that Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell movie. No, mm-hmm. watch Klaus instead. Klaus, all I don't time. know. I don't like Ryan Reynolds, but I feel I have a good vibe about this one. Nope. If that's good, let me know. I'll let you know. My mom likes it, so how bad can it be? Anyway, Battle Beast is. Oh, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Battle Beast. Battle Beast. Hold on. Oh, my mom. Say it. You know, Chester? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's actually good. What's the difference between what dinosaurs and Mark try and what robot tries, besides just the fact that robot was more successful? Like long term successful. Dinosaurs are sexy. Okay, that's robots crusty and rusty. <gasps> rusty boat boy. <laughs> listen, listen. Two things you gotta know about robot. Definitely an incel, mm-hmm. and 100%. needs to buy rustoleum from Lightning McQueen. It's somehow, that simple. It's rusty. Ro- damn it. Somehow robots the only incel I know that's had sex like canonically. Like it's it's insane. There's no way. <laughs> 
We actually don't know if he ever did it. It, it was never on panel. I think we see silhouettes of aliens. Listen, it's not him. He's canonically had sex in the same way that Batman has canonically had sex. So you know, just that. No one thinks Batman had sex. What the fuck are they talking about? Bunch of insane people on Twitter.com. I tell you what, leather. But no, no, no. Like really, I feel like get out of here. (laughs) I feel like robot speaks to such a specific kind of like alt-right internet troll that's like, I'm just driven by logic. I'm like, I think you just don't have empathy. And I like that this story <laughs> at the end was when Robot, when he goes back and reboot, which I'm excited to talk about. He's like, I don't really have empathy. And that makes me worried that I'm going to do something someday that's not good. And I love that this story called out like this cold, calculated, like logic driven is not admirable. Like, I like yeah. that the story was like, is he right? Is it OK to be a fascist if you're the smartest man alive? And I like that. It ultimately said, like, other people's freedom is more important than, like, you imposing logical rule on them. Like, Mm -hmm. logic is not more important than emotions and empathy. Like, I just got what we're recording this a little bit later because I just got done watching The Fablemans. And that was, like, one of the core tenets of that movie was that, like, half the family was very logical and half the family was art driven. And sort of the relationship between those two things. And I think one of the the frightening things that's happening in America, I think we're looking around, we're seeing a lot of people that are like, oh, man, maybe fascism has some points. <laughs> and you can't look away from the fact that our entire school curriculum has skewed towards math and science and like strictly logic all the time stem 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 is the only thing we're good at we've raised an entire generation of excellent engineers that can't feel empathy because they've never been asked to and i think that this story explores that problem well where ultimately people the people around you are the most important aspect of this life and if they are hurt or if you're imposing your will on them it doesn't matter what the end goal is mm-hmm. that's that. a really good way of putting that yeah Thanks. beautifully put it's it makes me think about the one moment where he's taking out um martian man um i completely forget what his his hero name is um yeah, who cares show about him to be, like, be honest rubber band man <laughs> and he's sitting there in pieces and robots reaching down to pull out his literal heart. And he says, I thought we were friends. And I'm like, oh, you were here for like five seconds, but this is still hitting me in the heart. This is still hitting me hard. That's that's <laughs> not, that's not okay. And Robot just doesn't give a shit. And it's so cold. and catch- I love the, the armor update, by the way, those designs from mm, yeah. what he was before to the, I will fuck you up armor. I thought yeah, that was scary. a great upgrade. Yeah, it rules. Um, um how do you think he is as a stand-in for Iron Man? I feel like once he starts like stepping into that armor, maybe it's just my lizard brain, but I definitely started to see him as like a take on Tony Stark Iron Man, specifically around like post Civil War time. Yeah, in Marvel He's Comics. Iron Man without Pepper oh, yeah. Potts. Mm. <gasps> he it's... definitely is like an Iron Man kind of stand-in. Um... I definitely think Iron Man is a lot more of an empathetical character, especially like Civil War really screwed over his character because it made him seem like very logic. But even in that story, he was still like, 
he still hated himself for the decisions he was making. So there's a lot of empathy in there. But I feel like Robot um, only ever hates himself when like one person he cares about um, is like feels some type of way about him. So and I don't even know if that's like a love thing with uh, Monster Girl. When Monster Girl's like all annoyed with him for being a fascist or whatever. And he's just like, this, uh, I, I hate this. This sucks so much. But I'm doing this for us, for you and me. I don't really have to do it this way. And I feel like that's the only time. And I can't tell if it's because he actually loves Monster Girl or if he just likes that she's the one that gets him attention or if he liked the power mm-hmm. over her. And personally, I do think that he loves Monster Girl and just doesn't know what that means. But I can see it being read either way. But I don't know. I don't think he's like, he's definitely not the one-to-one stand-in to Iron Man, but there definitely is a very clear connection there, I thought. I think that he loves but does not respect Monster Girl. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially after, like, He's an the... <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes, right. but, like, I feel like I know that person in real life. I feel like I know the husband mm-hmm. who's like, I love my wife. It's like, do you respect her decision-making abilities? Do you, like, see her as a human being outside of in a relationship to you? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. no. It's like, well, then that might not be love, like, my, my friend. Mm-hmm. It's, it's someone who has heard about love before and has a base definition for it in their head but doesn't actually know if they're feeling it or not Mm -hmm. i feel like robot's the character who goes through those motions and then when those motions lead to monster girl still leaving him like what happened in the the alternate reality he can't get her back and he can't understand why he can't get her back he's like that's that part of me is just gone just just go back to doing what you do Mm. and he went back to what was familiar and what he knew worked and that was enslaving an entire planet you know everyone's got their the post breakup thing where you just gotta you gotta go back and play the hits again to make yourself <laughs> feel familiar and get back into a rhythm yeah get back to your roots <laughs> connect with your inner self a lot of fascist fash fashion fash oh my god listen gosh. if you want to talk about fashion fash i recent i once read an article about fascists desire to create an aesthetic and it's Mm. why hitler hired mercedes to make all of his cars why he hired tom ford to make all of his clothing why like they wanted to be dressed to the nines they only put like the most beautiful and handsome nazis forwards like the whole world would buy into their ideology and you can see fascists in america doing the same shit where they like they really care if you have blue hair. They really care. Like they want to sell a specific image to the world mm-hmm. because it makes the world more ready to swallow the fascist pills. Mm-hmm. So that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. You just said fashion fascist. And I was like, welcome to my TED talk. I have done a lot of thinking about yeah, this. You're one of the smartest people I know. I wish you would stop. <laughs> yes. Let us catch up <laughs> for like a year. Why don't you just shut the fuck up, dude? Let me be dumb for once. We gotta bring bullying back. This kid's too thoughts. smart. Honestly, we were saying fascist fashion because it was funny, not because we weren't ready for it. I really appreciate your input, Dallas. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why he moved uh-huh. to New York so our family would stop bullying him. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know it's that like you, every New Yorker will bully him. <laughs> Like, you want to bully me? First, you got to find me. Darts behind a building. Exactly. <laughs> Leaves. It's Leaves exactly and three turns. And it's my family's like, oh, no, we're lost in the big city. <laughs> ah, Times Square. Dad hasn't exactly. even tried. He won't go. He refuses. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's thinking about 
the scene, I think the the chilling part is how quickly it's accepted as normal after that really brutal and violent takeover. Yeah. The, the scene where he's talking to um, what's his name, Will, um, Mark's friend, and he's William. like, "Look at all these, yeah, it's look at all these William, William, William. William. Ex- sorry, um, <laughs> he will William. correct you." Um, yeah. <laughs> it's his chosen name, man. So I will, I will, I will respect that. Of course, Thanks. clearly. Um, so William, um, just going on and on about all the good things that are happening. And then it's just Eve sitting there on the couch. It's like, he ripped my fucking leg off. I had to give birth <laughs> with one leg. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that Christ. was, that was fun. That <gasps> was, um, that was one of the moments that was actually spoiled for me reading through the first time. Because oh, I think I don't remember if someone posted it in the comments section or if I was like just googling like, oh, hey, so what happens to Adam Eve later? And I saw that, and I'm like, holy fucking shit! Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a brutal scene, but it's one of those things where it's like they just lost so many friends, and it reminds me of like every time every time an election comes around, voting and watching the polls as a trans person is the most harrowing thing ever. Because it feels like the options are I live or the, or I die. And you have a 50-50 split of people who are like, I'm okay with that, actually. Mm. And it's it's the guy, William talking is like the people I see around me who are like, I voted Republican because I wanted cheaper gas prices. Jesus. And I'm like, cool. You liking the gas? <laughs> you having fun <laughs> with the gas? You got an extra extra five bucks in your pocket? God, can you um can you buy me a ticket to a better state please with that extra money you saved from gas it's it's terrifying and i completely understand why mark and eve were like we're getting the fuck out of dodge we're mm. gone um which led yeah. to like one of my favorite parts of the whole comic oh this slice yeah. of life on the alien era. planet come on i could have lived oh, yeah. there forever um, it's I love how much time just... there was to breathe there. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. I completely shift us there, I just want to mm-hmm. finally say, I talked a lot about the trolley problem last time. I like that this conclusion gives us the definitive where people land on the trolley problem. problem. Mm-hmm. So Robot here says the needs of the many are more important than the needs of the few. So I am willing to kill those that are close to me. I am willing to do what I deem necessary evil for the greater good. As I view it. So I like that that is his definitive thing. And there's, I'll chime in more with other characters. And I think Marx is the most interesting based Mm -hmm. on his arc throughout the story. But we can move on to Telescria now. I just have to say. Oh my God. This is the the best fucking thing. I could, like, this is the moment where it's like, if you write fan fiction, this is where it happens. This is, this is the, (laughs) this is peak fan fiction territory. Just these two hanging out on an alien planet. There's so much that happens here but like it's the most you'll get to breathe in this entire series and of course it gets it gets the most emotional ending ever when we get to the Mm. reboot stuff but um this this era of just seeing mark and eve being parents and trying to figure that out i feel like it's very it feels very metaphorical they are new parents trying to figure things out for the first time so they go to an alien planet where everything is new and scary and they have no idea what they're doing yep having moved across the country i felt this on a different mm-hmm. level this time than I did the first time. I was like, I too know what it's like to be like, where the hell am I? I don't know. All oh, this food is weird. 
I'll never wait, forget wait. where someone mm-hmm. was giving me their coffee order because that's the only thing that they could fathom I could do as like someone below them. They were like, go get the mm. coffee. And then they were like, <laughs> could you give me a regular coffee? And I was like, like what are you, just like a like black coffee? They're like, no, regular. And I was like, I, don't, said, know I what, don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know what regular coffee means. And mean? then they looked at me like I was the dumbest guy in the world. And they were like, milk two sugars? And I was Jesus like, huh? Christ. And then I even, like, I saw it on a tote bag today. It was like translations for new york food and then it was like regular coffee and they spell it out that way and they said <laughs> milk two sugars and i was like it's just me i guess i <laughs> i have no idea either it's, it's on the tote bag it's just me <laughs> that I'm is the jackass, just you. i guess regular just you the only one in regular. new york city <laughs> i hate it here this is... but i love it here i hate um, it here be quiet this is... <laughs> After everything heavy that happens in the robot arc, this is the perfect denouement where everything just chills the fuck out for a while. And I really, really appreciate it. Um, it starts it starts off strong with probably one of the funniest moments in the entire fucking series where, um, ooh, what's his name? Oh, fucking um, the Alan. Alan meets um, Tara for the first time. And yeah. she makes sure that he remembers her. Oh yeah, Lexi, <laughs> Tara. Love her. What do you think of her? Yeah. Well, first of all, bad bitches come into the world at bad bitch moments. And when her mom gets her <laughs> leg fucking torn off, she's like, here I am. Look, it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> and we get Tara, who I arguably think is the funniest character that has ever come out of this book. When she's mm-hmm. roasting her parents' asses over the hot coals about their costumes, funniest shit I've ever seen. I was like, yeah, Tara, the little pink cape is pretty great, but nothing else. Nothing else, Tara. So great. It is kind of weird that Tara feels like an entirely different character to the rest of this comic. Like, she doesn't, she she fits in, but she feels like she's just in the wrong comic. Just the way she's written and the way she talks and everything. It's so interesting. She's a little out of world. She's because she was raised on an alien planet. She's a little kooky. What can you say? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> she um she was too sweet for this comic, but she grows into it. She definitely mm. grows into it. So um <laughs> she gets her fair Good share of trauma. Her. Don't worry, it happens. <laughs> what is your favorite slice of life moment from this era? Mine is Mark's BM that Adam <laughs> Eve has to come help him out with. Oh. I, I love the idea that the toilet <sighs> has a shredder. And when they were like, it's like a blender. I was like, stop. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Also, where can I buy one? <laughs> Someone get the poop knife. Thank you. Shut the hell up. Listen, if you've never had to get a stick to break a log. <laughs> can't say that I have. Not at all. For some reason, I don't know what's up with that. It's always what? Dallas, it's always Dallas and butts with your stories. <laughs> yep. So you got an itchy asshole or you got a log that needs a knife to break it up. <laughs> <laughs> you got to play the hits. Stories. We've talked for hours. <laughs> we talk a lot and you're like, it's always asses with you. You got an itchy ass that one time. Also, you poop. What is it also, with this? Guy? Every time I talk to Dallas, I I come into the call and he's immediately twerking. I'm like Dallas. He goes, Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I was just uh, changing the laundry. I'm like in your closet. It's like, Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it's always asses with this guy. Here are two specific uh, examples. Hey, if they're the most notable examples, then they are your exa- They are you. That is, that's your framing device. How many ass stories do I have? Ask me right now. Zero, actually. Zero. Exactly. Um, no, let's yeah. get out. How many do you Lexi. have? Zero. <laughs> Dig deep. You got it. Lexi, ass stories. How many you got? Is it zero? How many do I have personally? Yeah. Yeah. None. Not, well, see no. zero, <laughs> almost <laughs> half. You have point five. That's we like have one. zero point five. I have none I can think of. So you are doing a lot higher than anyone else. I could add another one to Dallas. Oh, you got three. You got fucking three. Oh. Remember when you put your butt through the wall at our house? <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember this at all. You, you don't remember or something? When you fell down the stairs at our first house and put your butt through the no. wall. No. I mm, I remember that. You were making that up. I do no, not remember I that. Find so. oh. on the play. I remember that Three story. Stories. Lexi, what was your favorite slice of life moment? <laughs> it can't involve butts. I think I have to say um, the part where all of a sudden Tara's like really sick and they try to blame it on Oliver's girlfriend and the girlfriend is like, no! you you brought your baby to an alien planet and you're upset that it's sick i was like yeah yeah bug lady you you tell him you tell him bug lady i love her how do you think she sounds like does she just sound like like normal she clicks she clicks (laughs) when oliver's like you see the mandibles on her i was like (laughs) i said oliver shut shut up little bug boy shut (laughs) up bug boy Ooh, oliver Ooh. I want to throw it out there. I was so mad at him. Speaking of bug people, I feel like the bug people that Thrag hooks up with are way bustier. I was like, when did they get so busty? I don't remember that from the first time we were here. And started putting them in tiny little outfits. They did not have tiny little outfits the first time. Thrag was like, bikinis only. I was like, (laughs) then he made an army. Also, we met a new fish with boobs this time. Um, The. The shark lady, battle beast, yeah, battle beast shark wife. Oh, that's right. <gasps> yep. fish with boobs. No, she Ooh, was in. She was beast. in the last part. I, re- I very specifically remember. Yeah, when oh. we first meet, right? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, actually, that was issue seventy-three that those breasts first appeared. Um, we, no, we talked about it. We talked about him giving. We talked about Otley giving boobs to everyone, and I definitely remember talking about the shark women. There was. It was a. It was a point in the like last. Right. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. I like that me. Mark checked on Amber before he left. That was a very sweet beat for me. Yeah. yeah. The end. Oh, I like Amber. I, my favorite moment was when each one of them had their day off. or Well, mm-hmm. when Mark gave Eve a day off and she went out shopping and then he just spent all day with Tara. And that was so, so cute and made me feel all the warm fuzzies. <laughs> My favorite slice of life moment was actually after, I think it was after Reboot, when they go to, yeah, it was after Reboot, because uh, the thing happens. But um, it's just when um, Tara has the little training robot, and mm-hmm. she, the robot's trying to teach her, like, <clears throat> basic math, and she's just, like, not interested. And she's, then the robot's just, like, recalculating. Tara, how many rocks can you find? Can you give me ten rocks? <laughs> she's like, yeah! And she runs <laughs> off to do math. <laughs> Definitely. My favorite part after the reboot is when she takes off flying with Debbie. I'm like, oh, Debbie, you poor thing. 
You poor grandma. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like, bring us back to the balcony. She's, She's like, like, I don't know how. Sarah, please. <laughs> Can we talk about how somehow Eve and Debbie became characters again? Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. lost them in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then here at the end, like they're characters again. And they're right back. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is why you're my favorites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't feel like there was any drastic change other than just they got to be included again. Mm-hmm. Yep. They had beats that were specifically for them. They got to have their own agency back. It's amazing how much more enjoyable they are when they're written like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I love mm-hmm. Adam Eve and I was very happy to be like oh yeah she is a huge part of the ending and like a great character again she might have got lost there in the middle a bit but boy did she come back strong Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gosh she is phenomenal in this section and I like it because we get this for a little bit it's that nice calm moment but of course it's all gonna go terribly terribly wrong and Lexi we already talked about it a little bit but when Mark finally agrees to go back and work with Alan some more. Him and Oliver go to this alien planet and he finds this strange glowing thing in a cave and is like, you know what? I'm going to touch it. And then... Yo, 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 yo. Don't ever touch the glowing thing. Yo, ever. yo, yo. Before we move on, you can't skip Thrag and Battle Beast. The Battle Beast. Oh, yeah. That did happen during this. So bum, Everything's bum, calm bum, except bum, for this. Bum, bum, the fight bum, that takes place over what? Nah, nah, nah. Was it three <laughs> issues? That this is happening in the background? It w- it's lived in my mind for five years is how long it has happened. <laughs> it is so <laughs> cool. They're like, badass. these issues are like, la, da, 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 da. X, go <laughs> give it to you. Go and give it. Oh, it rules so hard. It it's did. so cool. They just beating the shit out of each other for three, four, maybe five issues. I don't know. It's incredible. A long time. It was a long time. When Battle Beast ripped out his own guts, he's like, you don't get any advantages. I was like, yeah. oh my God. I said, no, Battle Beast. Keep the advantage, please. Kick his ass. I was like, this Man, is He could have won. That could have mm-hmm. been it. But Battle Beast is too honorable or foolish. Whichever one you want to go with. Stupid. Foolish. Foolish. Now he's yeah. a fuzzy ass cape. But That is the most baller so- shit in the world. <sighs> yeah. The Battle Beast cape. cape. I was like, listen, Thrag had some points. <laughs> Nothing, no other points, but that cape, that was that a cape. Point. Mm-hmm. That was a win. <laughs> I That's know. another thing from reading the comic for the first time was really not knowing how that was going to go. Like, there was, like, in the back of my head, I was, like, the whole time, even, like, first reading, I was like, Thrag's got to win this, but, like, how? And then Battle Beast is, like, looks like he's winning. They're going back and forth. You're like, this could be, this could go either way. So, it was really intense the first time reading that. And then yeah, you totally. see Thrag just standing there, and I was like, holy shit. Like once he goes back for Invincible, because like that that like had to boost him up, you know, power wise. So I was like, yo, once he gets back, it's game on. This is it. This is like the greatest workout in the world. He definitely yeah. came back shredded. That as was hell. like Creed two level shits of me going like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I think Mark might get his ass whooped. <laughs> I think Mark <laughs> might lose. I don't know. We'll see. Gosh, it was so cool. Yeah. Thrag anyway, is an excellent villain. Mm-hmm. Yes, watch Creed. So Creed good. two is the best superhero movie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, did you? Thank you. I've been saying that. No one's been hearing me out. I'm like, yo, if you like Superman Open and Away, check out Creed 2. I'm telling you. It's the same thing. You gotta watch it to believe it. Anyway, what were you saying about Thrag? He's cool. He's cool. Great villain. Mm-hmm. Great He's villain. somehow Great like there's never been a cool super like I don't think Zod is cool. But like Thrag is cool as shit. Yeah. 
And I don't quite know the lot. Like, why? Why is this one the cape. so much cooler than anyone else? It's the cape. It's the I understand it's the battle the women. He pulled up on my planet with that cape. I'd be like, hmm, okay. <laughs> bro, when he's standing there in the sea of all of his purple children coming at Whoa. him in their little white suits, I was like, bro, it's supposed to go in the sock. What are you doing? <laughs> you killed Evan. You killed Evan. I was, like, I was like, how did every sperm cell in your body turn into a child? Too powerful. What? My sperm. Every the single one of those sperm cells has a little as- mustache on it. Every single exactly. one. He dressed them as sperm. He's like, everybody get in the white outfits, and I'm going to throw you at the bad guys. I'm going to stand in the middle like, Spaff! and you guys are going to come at him like, through the sky. It's terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. But now that we talked about that, and rest in peace, Battle Beast, you will be remembered. Um, we get funky. Did Wait, did Lexi answer her favorite slice of life moment? Wait, yeah, she... I had two. I said when mm. the when Oliver's alien girlfriend rips him a new one, and then when Debbie goes flying yep. unintentionally. Okay, yep. I don't listen to you talk. Okay. <laughs> yep. Good lord. I do have to say, it makes me giggle how all of the Battle Beast's people are a bunch of pussies. Yeah. I love how when Thrag shows up, he's like, I've come to conquer you. And they go, okay. Because <laughs> he's wearing Chill. Battle yep. Beast. Oh, Okay. I mean, I would too. If yeah. someone showed up and they were like, we've got Henry Cavill's head on our shoulder. I'd be like, fuck, Shit. okay. You, okay, you, you run win. things. Great. I don't know why Henry Cavill's who I went to, but yeah. Because he's the greatest. He's With the Witcher. Oh, <laughs> With the Witcher hair that got him as a game. It's the only me. way. That's the only way that Liam Hemsworth can win my respect as Geralt. Is if he comes with the cape made of Henry Cavill's head. Oh my god. That'd be awesome. That'd be Uh, hard as fuck. I'd be like, I'm watching now. I'm tuning in starting season four. No, I could cry. I don't want to talk about that anymore. It got too real. Very quickly got too real. Sorry, Henry, if you're listening. Um, and you too, Liam. If Henry is listening, like, sorry. we have won. Henry, listening, <laughs> if there's anything you need to get from this podcast, is that you were my sexual awakening when we I were in Mission Impossible <laughs> and that's not even a joke. So I will sell you, all of my family's souls to the devil. That motherfucker was not attracted to me until he had that mustache on. He reloaded mm-hmm. his arms, and I was like, what is oh, happening? Yeah. Uh-huh. I watched that what trailer like, every wig. Mm, yeah. Mm. What are we mm. talking about? I don't know. Oh, invincible. Yeah, if you was listening to this podcast, it would be Henry Cavill, though. That man yeah, was playing um, World of right. Warcraft when he got the call telling him he was Superman. He missed yeah. the call because he was playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a dork, and I love him for it. Um, I'm not sure if he's a good actor yet. I haven't decided on that part, but I that know. doesn't matter to me in the slightest. That doesn't matter. Well. <laughs> you can. I'm not looking for acting. You can load your arms. You don't need to act. Bro, that's I'm saying, I agree that he's got a great look for Superman and everyone's I'm excited he's back too but it has caused me to ponder like is he actually a good actor yes have sure. I ever seen him be a good actor I don't know just watch Enola I've Holmes seen him too be and then I'll answer your question hmm. my problem with Henry Cavill is that he's always surrounded by people I think are really great actors like in Man of Steel you had fucking Michael Shannon opposite him Michael as Shannon fucking whips and Michael Shannon's in there like acting, camping it up, going full balls to the wall. And then Henry Cavill, bless his soul, really reserved, like just by direction alone. 
So it's kind of hard for me to be like, oh yeah, Henry Campbell did a great job. But I'm like, Michael Shannon like set the bar really high and no one else touched that except for maybe Lawrence Fisher's uh, Perry White. But even that, we didn't get enough of to tell. So, and I, that <sighs> happens for every Henry Cavill movie except for Mission Impossible where I think he actually is acting up to Tom Cruise's uh, energy. Now I'm just thinking about Michael Shannon's performance in Man of Steel. Yeah, I want to talk about Mission Impossible. Let's start a new podcast. Mission Impossible Jesus. podcast. Impossible podcast. Evan, I will start a podcast with you. Thank you, Lexi. <laughs> Bye, everybody else. <laughs> we listen to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll sign out. <laughs> okay, we got to talk about Reboot because it yes. scarred me the first time I, I read it. And I need Alexis cried. to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I cried. Tears in my eyes. Put the book down. Went and sat outside. What did you think yes. happened? I really thought that he just like woke up on the toilet. I was like, oh, they did him so dirty. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I was like, no. I was like, what is this? I at first thought it was some type of like thrag trick. I was like, no. He was hiding under the crust of this planet. And then they zapped him back to his real life. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, I really did have to take like a good 30, 30 minute breather in between. It was rough. Mm-hmm. I was so mad the first time I read this. <laughs> I was like this close to quitting Invincible. Yeah, I was, I was like, like, well, they just ruined it. Because like it's called Reboot. They reboot it and he starts like running through the motions. I was so like, is this what this comic is now? Like, mm-hmm. it made me want to throw up. I was like, no, I liked what was happening. This was my one more day. Because honestly, like I, I inherited Spider-Man post one more day and it was just like a matter of fact. And now I can like look back and be like, both sides have like compelling stories and it's kind of a fu- like it's stupid and funny, you know, like I've never been that emotionally invested in that. Like th- this was my one more day that I was like, fuck this book, fuck the world. Like, I don't want to read this anymore. I was wo- throwing Woody in the trash can. I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> and then Invincible would have to have nightmares as the arms crawl on him instead of me having nightmares this time. Mm-hmm. The end. <laughs> Reboot is my favorite arc in Invincible. Even the first time. Because in the first time, I was reading it uh, as they were coming out each month. And this was before they announced, like, End of All Things. So, um, at this point, they announced it. And I was like, and all, you know, all new different, new 52, all the shenanigans was happening and keeps happening with, like, the big two publishers. So, but I knew Invincible was different. And so, I was like, what are they going to do with this? Like, what are they saying? Because I know they're always saying something about comics. So, what are they saying by actually just rebooting this? Because they've had number one issues, starting points in the past just like how other comics did, and they had something to say about it at the time. But they still were number one starting issues. They just didn't renumber them, but they had a big number one on the covers and everything. So now they're saying reboot, and in the first issue, you're like, we are starting literally at the beginning. So I'm like, is this a new jumping on point for something, someone? And I'm reading it, and I'm like, no, they're changing things. So are we doing all of this just to set up, what are we setting up here? Like, what's the plan? Are we starting a new status quo where robot doesn't become a fascist, where Omni-Man doesn't destroy everything, where like the coalition of planets is stronger or Alan is different? Like, what is the actual plan? So it was really intriguing to me at the time. And the whole time I was kind of at this plateau of being like, this is really interesting. What's the end game? And then when it comes at the end game where the aliens are just like, you did it. You, you can save the universe just by accepting this. And you could stop robot and you could have peace on the world. And Mark looking at them and saying, I'm not accepting that. And the alien's going, what? And Mark's like, why would I accept that and give up my wife and daughter? My daughter might not exist because I don't know if I'll ever be with Eve. 
And I don't know, you know, if even if we do get together, if we will produce Terra. So why would I ever give that up? Why would I ever risk that? Like, I will always choose them over everything else. It's a moment where Mark meets the trolley problem, just like he did with Robot and so many other times before. And he chooses everyone. He chooses to sacrifice everything for his family, basically, for two people he loves the most in this world. And the aliens are like, you're the one person we knew who's so morally correct and willing to sacrifice everything. We didn't even see it coming or possible that you could possibly choose any other option. And so when he does that, that's the moment where I was like, this is peak Mark Grayson. And also immediately after that, it was announced that the next one was going to be, or like the next upcoming arc was end of all things. So I was like, this is how you start off like the end, because this is the alien saying, there's no turning back now. This is your one shot to fix everything. And you said, fuck it. And I admire that so much in Mark. I think that's a great character moment for Mark. And it really sets up the feeling of the finale, because now you're thinking that he he could have changed all of this. So whatever happens next, um, he has to deal with head on knowing that he once sacrificed five years of his life and two, um, he could have just avoided all of this if he was willing to give up like one and a half person. I think it's a really powerful message about love and empathy. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other comic that touched this in the same way. You nailed that, man. Yeah. This is This is his trolley problem. Yeah, I love it. I just love it so yeah. much. It also just like the aliens' reaction, going, "What? Huh? Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> I love when they come. Bro. You were they're like you were the most selfish person ex- in existence. Yeah, like, they were going you from like you're the moral hero. You you're the only one that could do this. And he's like, "I'm not doing that." She's like, "I fucking hate your guts, bro. I cannot <laughs> believe you did this. We only had one shot. Well, why do we think you would do it? Oh, we should pick robot. Oh." <laughs> 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 It was, you know, aside from that, it was a really interesting little um, moment to go back and explore the what if and to see just how the dominoes would have fallen differently had Mark known all this was going to happen and could actually Mm -hmm. react to it, not impulsively as he's, you know, want to do occasionally once or twice and actually think out what's what's best and what's going to lead to the best result. And I loved especially just getting to see how things were different between him and Omni-Man mm-hmm. when he's like, listen, I need you to tell me first, do you love me a mom? Honestly, I need you to think about it. And that's the moment he realizes like, shit, yeah, I guess I do. That's kind of crazy, right? And then they still have that fight afterwards, but seeing Nolan still be that person and still come to that realization just a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. That was like the perfect impetus for, for Mark to just say, I want to, this could work. Everything could be better. We can make things so much better. And it's, I completely understand why he said no to it because I couldn't imagine having to give up the person you love and the child that you two share just because you want to fix your old mistakes. Yeah. I think that's, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's definitely a hard problem to face. Like in reality, like everyone Mm -hmm. wants to say they would do one thing or another. We'll never know unless we're faced with that, which we never will be thankfully. But I think it's really cool to have a character face with that and come up with, come out with something that feels selfish, but at the same time feels exactly right. And what you would also do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Greatest comic in the universe, man. Greatest comic in the universe. 
And then everyone dies. So And then everyone dies. Cool. So and that's only halfway through, folks. Lexi. <laughs> Before we move on, I want to shout out, I like that Omni-Man did still make a point to kill Immortal. Every time Omni- <laughs> Omni-Man hating Immortal is Fucking so mortal. funny. It's so funny. I don't blame him. Omni-Man has a poster immortal. of John Wilkes Booth on his wall. It's like, this dude, <laughs> he knew what was up. I, all want, I also want to shout out that in, uh, the, in Robot's fascist world, when uh, Brit is like hiding out from Robot, mm. you know? Uh, Britt is wearing a BYU shirt. Uh, that's my college I went to. So shout out Britt for uh, the BYU I sweater. I do not remember that at all. Yeah. Damn. I hope he washed the armpit of that sweater. shirt before he put it on. Anyway, what do we think of <laughs> Corey Walker's issues that he draws in the arc before in End of All Things Part 1? He does like all the yeah. stuff after reboot until we I get found to like it a little the bit jarring. Battle. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I was like, oh, hi again. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be like disrespectful to Cory Walker or anything. I, I love Cory Walker's art um, sometimes, and also so other times I don't. The first time I read this, I was really annoyed every time mm-hmm. it popped up. I was like, I love Ryan Otley's art. So to have it broken up in any type of way, even if it wouldn't make sense, I was like, Yo, we got to stop this. I don't give a shit what we have to do. I don't care if we have to tie Ryan Otley down to a chair for an, an extra hour a day or whatever. <laughs> I think they did. <laughs> they overworked him for sure. Uh, I appreciate it. All the work they put in. Uh, but I, it, it, it felt disruptive. But this, the last read-through I had, it did not feel as disruptive uh, as it normally does. Um, and Corey Walker would, if they did continue the series with like a different creative team, Corey Walker probably would have been a safe choice, at least for like an arc or two. Mm-hmm. I love it. I like his original stuff, the first seven issues, not my jam. Like, no matter how many times I read this, not a fan. But this art style that he has by the end, the sort of like Chris Somney style cartooning, I'm actually a very big fan of. And similarly, Evan, I really did not like it the first time. Every time there was Corey Walker pages, I was like, bleh, bleh, no, go back to Ryan Otley. But now. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I like them. I think they're fun. I like how bubbly all of his characters are. Mm-hmm. And I it, actually, I, oh, you go. I was going to say, it reminds me, especially getting to like the end here, it makes me think a lot of like um, Astro Boy. It gives me that, those sort of like really wholesome space vibes, future vibes. I think it's yeah. it's a great way to set up the end of the series. I think Ryan Otley does great with the, the action, the gore and the violence. But I think going towards where this series is going to go, that more futuristic utopia side, I think um, Corey Walker did a fantastic job of bringing that side of this universe to light. It was a good contrast. As a side note, if you're ever interested in cool Supergirl concept art, Corey Walker has a bunch of really dope, like futurism, Mm -hmm. superhero, all the above uh, uh, Supergirl art that I think would rock your socks off. Really not really rock your socks. Much like Thrag should have rocked his socks a few times instead of having ten thousand purple babies. <laughs> um so Corey Walker art aside, sorry to be annoying, but no, you're good. the uh the battle with Thrag on that planet. I want to talk about that. Wait, wait, before we before we jump ahead too much, I need to know 
Lexi, the the end of reboot, the time skip. How did that? How did that hit? Oh my hell! Oh my hell! <laughs> I screamed out loud. I was so upset when Tara walks out and mm-hmm. she's like six. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And then when you find out that Eve had a muscular blue boyfriend for a little while, I was like, you bitch. Bro, when she dated Kefisto. I said, what the fuck? Uh, I like understand. I feel like it was good, but I was so mad about it. I was like, girlfriend, how dare you? I've never had a drawing call me bro before, but this this guy. Dog, this Kefisto is all muscles. Eve, listen, she did pick a hot alien. That guy has some deep cum gutters. That is crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> the lines cum that gutters. point down to the dick, I mm-hmm. have heard them v. called cum gutters. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the first time you've ever This is the first time no, you've ever heard No, and I hate phrase? it. This is the worst thing I've ever heard all day. <laughs> we were talking about fucking armpits like literally a minute ago. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, who? We try to educate on this show, and um, I'm glad God. we were successful today. I always learn gross things on this show. <laughs> Every time I'm watching it, there's something new gross. I'm like, what? Really? And I look it up, I go, oh my God. <laughs> and there'll be something gross the next time, we fact promise. Fact-checking all the things that we say. I'm not Listen. fact-checking. I'm just like going like, where did this originate? Do I have to worry about it? Just come gutters near me. Dangerous? Am Question mark? Danger? <laughs> Armpit So <grass>? anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Blue Kit Fisto with the dinner roll abs. Yeah. Mm. He absolutely wants to talk to you about the mental benefits of smoking weed. Oh, yeah. Like he 100% is like, it'll open your mind. And you're like, mm-hmm. you smell like your mind's open right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I... He definitely rolled Eve's first joint in her entire life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was like, I don't think I'm into that. It kind of made me anxious. Um, I was so, so satisfied when Eve punched him in the face. That was, mm. this is a series of satisfying punches. That was one of, that's in my top five. I appreciated that one a lot. I really like how Cory Walker draws Eve specifically. Oh, yeah. Like everyone's mm. pretty good, but I actually really like his Eve a lot. Yeah, she was very yeah. pretty. She uh, had pretty that also like, kind of Eve like, glow. Yeah, exactly. Eve Glow, I love that. Um, and the, I still think he holds um, all the comedic moments really well. I love when Tara and Alan have their, their stare down rematch. And he's like, I can tell you're thinking about punching me in the eye again. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> there. Uh, before. Oh, go ahead. No. no. I was going to move on to the next thing, but continue. Go for I have nothing more oh. to say. My. Question was also be for Lexi before we went on to like the like real real end game like the rag fights and everything. Um, but you were Oliver's like number one fan when we started talking about Oliver. And, like, I was so fucking mad at him. Two. I said, Oliver, <laughs> you are dragging my name through the mud, you little double agent. You better yeah, shut up right now. How do you feel about right that? Now. And then like you know his ending. Oh, triple agent by the end. I yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I at first when I was like, you're working for Thrag, you little purple bitch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> First of all, oh, why is he white? I don't think he answered that last time. He was time. slowly getting whiter as yeah, the, the purple went on. fades. The purple fades yeah. out. Like, why are none of Thrag's new kids white? They're all in their because 20s. they're still young. Yeah, they're still they're young. Yeah, they're not in their twenties. They're pretty young. They're teenagers. Mm. 
Um, yeah. They're supposed to be teenagers, you, so yeah. <laughs> which is really looking dark. at the end at after like the time jump at the end. Um, Ursula, she's she's white. She's white. Yeah. So there's one page. Ursula should have stayed purple. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> there's one shot of Oliver. I can't find it right now. That Cory Walker draws that he has the biggest bicep and tricep I think I've ever seen in comics compared to his shoulder, <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah, little king. I do kind of like Oliver still, though. Like, I love his, like, older look. I don't know. I just like this little purple guy. Oh, my God. Look at him. If we think Thrag is ripped. It's him walking. One, he has a honk-a-donk of an ass. And he's just, like, out like a light with a big-ass bicep. God damn. He has to make up for the fact he had that little pencil mustache. Yeah. He's fake. He rules. That is his little French mustache because he's Olivier. Olivier, he has a wonderful mustache. <laughs> it has come back. <laughs> he is very interested in building his muscles and his uh, mustache. It tickled and his he nose. He's being a good oh, uncle. He's an email. Okay, so we had a little bit of an emotional hit. And by a little bit, I mean, it's like being hit by a freight train um, loaded with semis and gasoline. But when Mark comes back and it's like, I've I've missed five years of my daughter's life. This really fucking mm-hmm. sucks. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna get move we're gonna move on. And they go to a nice um planet to have a little picnic and be nice and chill. And then all of a sudden fucking Thrag's kids come here and they're like, we're going to murder you. <laughs> and and then murder they feast mm-hmm. you remember this series has stakes. <laughs> and then they fucking do. Once again, yeah. through the book. I said no. <laughs> no they're dead again they're dead again <laughs> I like that every single time Eve brings herself back to life I'm surprised every two yeah. I'm like come on down she always Eve she's up. always like and, uh, <laughs> and she's still fucking surprised at the end <laughs> I, I'm still surprised at the end every time I'm like oh, no, but what? she is too that's the best part <laughs> she's like well goddamn, okay <laughs> You would have to be so bitter about the old years when you know that, like, when you die, you get to reboot back to being like twenty-five. Yeah. When you're just, like, seventy-five, you, die. you might be like, "Throw me, Mark." What? Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> throw me listen, against the wall. Smash my school, please. Pass me the gun. I'm. I just hit seventy. We're gonna celebrate by going back to the twenties. Thank you. Smash my trash. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't feel good about this. He's like, every seventy years when we have to do this, I don't feel good about it. She's like, do it. I don't like it. You're being such a uh, idiot. And he's like, stop. But the sex is probably crazy. Um, so Thrag. <laughs> That's my Frank Miller moment. <laughs> as long as she promised there's only going to be one. I cannot promise that. Damn it. You have to know I can't promise that. I, yeah, I get it. You know it. better than that, man. Come on, better. Anyway. Um, I was terrified that entire fight. For little fucking Tara. I was scared mm. shitless. And it just Mark having to push himself to the absolute limits to stay away from little bastard sadist child number one. And Tara's like crying the whole time. She literally can't breathe because they're flying so fast. I just, th- this is, I don't think there's a more tense moment in the entire series. Like, I think this fight is more tense than the the ultimate finale. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this and the robot, I think, were like the most tense moments in the book mm-hmm. for me. Where I was just oh, like, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's in danger. Um, I honestly, when the robot stuff was happening, I thought 
um, they were going to lose the baby, to be honest, at first. So oh, yeah. Both times, mm-hmm. like, Tara's involved, I was just like, I am very concerned right now and not having a good time. So. Very so good execution true. of tension. Mm-hmm. I feel like bringing a baby into an Invincible is kind of like Chekhov's gun in the way where it's like, <laughs> if you bring a baby in, it's going to get sacrificed at some point. And maybe that's just yeah. me speaking as an Aquaman <laughs> fan. So, you know, I'm always a little tense when a superhero has a baby. But, um... <laughs> Look at Dallas's face. <laughs> what? Dallas Holy moly! <laughs> Holy Molek, Batman. You bring a baby in, it's going to be sacrificed. Like, boy, do I have an ancient what? deity for you. <laughs> Holy hell! You read superhero comics long enough, you're like that baby's gonna die. Yeah. I've look at every Aquaman's baby and every woman like your clock is ticking. <laughs> Dallas looking at me like he doesn't know I'm an Aquaman fan. You want to know what happened to that baby? The baby drowned. Child Black Manta, the goat. In- <laughs> <laughs> Talk about petty ass he- villains. The one and only. Who's doing it like him? <laughs> what the fuck? Baby murderer. <laughs> you walk into the Legion of Doom and it's like, okay, everyone, let's recount our evil deeds for the week. I, for one, Lex Luthor, toppled the economy. Um, Gorilla Grodd, what about you? Oh, I ate my rival's brain? Yeah, very cool. How about Black Manta, what'd you do? Yo, baby. Great <laughs> <laughs> job, baby. You did what? Huh? huh? And Joker's like, yes! <laughs> I love this! Black Manta's like, hey. Joker's like, you gotta let him age a little bit like a fine wine, and then you kill nah, him. There was that time where Joker let like a bunch of babies almost die. 100%. Joker's killed a baby before. Has... And he's never voted Republican. It... <laughs> and he hates Nazis. So shout out Joker. <laughs> he has limits. <laughs> he's not that big of a sick fuck. Okay, so we don't have to cancel them. That's good. For that. Why were we talking? <laughs> For that particular, particular thing, yeah. We can, we can cut this. I'm just thinking about dead babies now. I dead can't. Baby. I can't. <laughs> Real bold of you to say we can cut this. Go ahead. Feel <laughs> free. Not. Have fun. We're going to need a lot of trigger wars before this episode <laughs> airs. <laughs> like, holy shit. Those is involved with the comic. <laughs> Dallas could send me this audio and say, hey, cut the part you want cut, and I'd send it back and say, I deleted the episode. I don't know how to get it back. (laughs) It's us going, welcome to the... (laughs) I'm a huge fan of when anyone that isn't me, like, can we rework that part? I'm like, can we? (laughs) Like, no, we can't, actually. What's this royal we that we're talking about? No. I'm here to balance audio and take anything stupid I say. Most of your pronouns, right? We slash you. <laughs> it's like that episode of, um, was it Love is Blind? Where the guy, they're doing like a post uh, episode like interview or something. And the guy's like adding teardrops to his own eyes. And they look like he's more upset. And he's like, we could cut this, right? And the people are like, yes. And they don't. <laughs> he's like, it's okay if I do this, right? They're like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced that that show is a fever dream and nobody can convince me otherwise I love season one of love of blind is so funny I love that you love that show I love reality TV fun fact that's Watching one of my trashiest parts so do I. Mm-hmm. let's me turn my brain off it's the only time Everyone I don't watch Ink Master for me please I love I, that show I was telling Addison Master about Chef it I was pitching it the other day Hell yeah! I was like Addison there's an evil Jack Black and they make him there fight. is evil Jack Black yeah Listen, he's I'm awesome his name's St. Mark 
He comes in. First tattoo he does. Sorry, we're talking about Ink Master. Everybody listening. <laughs> so the first tattoo uh, St. Mark does when he walks in. First of all, he walks in. He says, I'm a tattoo god. I'm going to win this competition. He loses. Uh, but the first thing he does for his tattoo, everyone's doing like line work and references and everything. And he, and he goes, he literally says, no one here is as good as me. So it doesn't matter how bad I do, but I'm about to freehand this. He doesn't do, he doesn't trace. He doesn't do any type of reference. He doesn't work, do any line work like uh, drawing on the skin, like no freehand or anything. He just starts with the tattoo machine and makes a kick-ass tattoo. It's not a great tattoo, but you go, that's good for someone who's just like, which is going like, fuck it. I don't have to try at all. So mm-hmm. he's something to be reckoned with. And then he loses in the coolest way possible. So definitely watch it. actually very funny because that's exactly what my tattoo artist did. And I have think I have the coolest tattoo I've ever seen in my life. Was it St. Mark? No. <laughs> That'd be so He's cool. been tattooing for like 40 years. Wow. Damn. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. <sighs> can we Sorry. finish this off in 30 minutes? Can we do it? Yes. Yes, we, we can. can. Yes, we can. Okay. So, um, after Eve rebuilds them, rebuilds her and Mark, and you know makes Mark buffer because you know why not? She gave herself breast implants the first time. Might as well up him too. Um, yeah, they decide this gotta end. Thrag is making an entire army of Viltrumite bug people. This this is not boding well. We need to bring the fight to them, and we get to the end of all things, and a lot. A lot happens. Um, I don't even know where to start. The just the relationship between Alan and Mark decaying. The um, inevitable fight with Thrag. Where'd they go? Did I scare them off? No, Dallas is <laughs> killing us all. Dallas is killing us. <laughs> so there's the inevitable conflict with Thrag. <laughs> what was happening? I wasn't looking at the screen. Okay, Dallas, take us take us away. You what Um I think it's very neat. Um I really like the part where Invincible says it's Vincent time. And I thought it was kind of weird that they started calling him Vincent in the comic book. But I got used to it. Um, when they decided to punch each other a lot of times, I really thought that was pretty neat that they were so punchy. You're but... a beautiful human being. I totally agree. Thanks. Yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah. What were we talking about? Uh, uh The end of all things. Cool. And the end of all things a... are great. Yeah. <laughs> I've sorry. I've <laughs> lost the plot. I've lost control of this podcast. I've I don't lost know why I started laughing so hard. <laughs> I had to mute myself. We <laughs> just hot in here. I think this has been a fun, fun episode to shoot. I hope it's as fun to listen to. All right, I'm sure it will be. People, people love us. We're fine. I'm ready to talk. Let's talk about something. Um, let's, let's start with the recruiting of the Viltrumites, and we get to go back to Earth, and we get to see what everyone's been up to. And yeah, we get some interesting developments here for um what's what's his name? The guy that has the um the one eye. Craig. Like Craig. Craig, yes. Oh, Craig. We get the um the wonderful moment where Craig's like, so now you all know about each other to like his eleven wives and their kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm sure is the most awkward moment in recorded history. Um 
I he pretends like he didn't like getting the call to action right after that. He he was relieved. That guy was happy to beat oh, yeah. the fuck out of there. <laughs> we have to go to space to fight, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because it sounds like such a made up bullshit thing. It's like, oh yeah, you got to go to space right now. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Uh, space shit. I gotta get done. Toodles. Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. But yeah, we get the Viltrumites of Earth rounded up, Omni-Man's on their side, and Mark's like, we're going to finish this right here. <laughs> what is happening? Alice keeps looking at me and smiling, <laughs> and then I laugh. Mom, he's looking at me. Oh my god. I'm out of control. I'm it's hot in his room. I'm on a podcast with toddlers. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> I'm- Stop not touching me. <laughs> Quit breathing my air. <laughs> We're in separate states. There's a lot that happens in this final fight. Does anyone have a particular moment that stands out that they want to open up first? Do I, I'm going to throw it out there when Mark punches Robot through the chest after their yeah. whole big long speech about what they're going to do. And it's just like a dead silent panel oh with my gosh. space behind the black mm-hmm. suit. And there's just the blood coming out. Like I, just how matter of fact it is. is fucking crazy. Robot's like, we're or, at this impasse. You don't know what to do with, the, with me. What are you going to decide, Mark? Who are you? Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That had the same effect on me as when Mark crushed that kid's head. Thrag's son was like, hmm. Oh, gotcha, bitch. you're a good guy. You're not going to get me. <laughs> being a hero is bullshit. Yeah. And yep. Mark embraces that here at the end. It's yep. a really interesting change in his philosophy because it's like that's what's gotten him so many times in the past is like i need to figure out how to be the best hero and Mm. he changes once he's you know a regular family guy to just being like i'm gonna do what's best for us and that's i think ultimately that's what evolves into him doing like i'm gonna do what's best for me and my people and into i'm gonna do what's best for everyone and i think that's a really cool evolution here at the end it's interesting though that it starts so violently. It's I think this this ending has a real interesting way to address violence because it has one of the most brutal climatic fights I've ever read in my life. Mm. They're literally fighting in the heart of the sun while their skin is boiling off. Yeah. And it's brutal, it's breathtaking. And it's all so that Mark can get to this position of power where he's like, that's never gonna happen again. Mm. Great. And so it's it's an interesting like dichotomy there. Where it's like we've ha- we went through so much violence to be in a world where violence doesn't exist. And it's like it raises I think it raises interesting questions where it's like if this is the world as it is, where it's like violence is the answer to everything, do you have to resort to violence to end that system and to bring something bring forth something new? Or do you think that Mark had another option here? Yes, Dallas. How different is this from what Robot did? Because there's a big act of violence that kills a lot of people to set mm-hmm. up a singular leader who says that he knows what's best for everybody and ushers in an era of peace that hadn't been seen before. Did they kill a bunch of innocent people to do it? Yeah, I would say no. the thing that makes I... it different... Oh, go, Lexi. No, sorry. I was just going to say, I feel like the difference is that everybody that was present at that fight except for, I would say, Thrag's children, 
was willing to be there because they made it such a big deal about like getting the Viltrumites on their side, like the Earth Viltrumites, that I feel mm. like it felt different because all of them were on the same page. Yeah, my thing was, was like, Thrag was coming in with the intention of like destroying a planet with a war um, mm-hmm. children that he made. And the war children are kind of like, they're sorry, they are victims in this scenario, but at the same time, it is a war that's happening. So in this scenario, when it's like very much do or die, they're going to kill us or we have to kill them. Because if you saw what happened, like they just threw them around, nothing. But they had to be stopped in order to stop Thrag. So I don't think this was a situation where talking was going to do anything mm-hmm. um, unless they were somehow able to get to Ursula sooner. But at some point, it was already too late because Ursula was turned to Thrag's side until later in that mm-hmm. fight. So that's, I think, an entirely different situation from Robot killing people who are always just trying to do good and killing innocent people in the process um, just so he can rule because he thinks he's the only person that knows better versus Invisible saying, I don't know better than everyone else, so let's put a system together Mm -hmm. where we have people overlooking this world while the world continues to do its thing. And I get to go space and like try my thing up there as, I guess, Ultramite leader. Mm-hmm. Fully crazy that he puts Immortal in charge of the planet when we saw King Immortal back yeah. in the series. I was like, this does not <laughs> bode well. The thing is, he forgot 100%. He totally yep. forgot. Mm-hmm. I believe that 100%. Because I forgot too until I reread it. <laughs> or maybe he's just like, this is going to be so fucking funny in 300 years. <laughs> he's like, like, I'm going to ruin your life because fucking, fucking Immortal. <laughs> I think... Going back to that question, I think the thing that separates this from what Robot did is I feel like Thrag is another embodiment of that, like, fascist ideology. And the the way the Viltrumites were before, where it's just, like, whoever has, whoever is strongest has the power. And they decide what everything is. And Mm -hmm. the way that he has this entire army of people who are completely indoctrinated and indebted to him as this figurehead, that just, it feels like everything that robot did but to like a super super extreme that is like um the that's peak fascism actually Mm. where the leader is perfect and everyone loves them and will die for them literally throw their bodies at the enemy for them that is that is the angle and i think that them standing against that is what separates that from what robot did dog when thrag started using his kids just as like clubs yeah, at the end, I was Jeez. like, "Of And it's it it's a lot. Of, it's very big Mad Max Fury Road vibes, where it's like maybe if I try hard enough next time, he'll know my name. Oh yeah. Oh, that was so sad. <laughs> that was really sad. Mm-hmm. Good. I I loved Ursula's turn. I loved getting mm-hmm. to see a character who's like, "Yeah, this is actually bullshit, and we should we should stop this." I loved loved that so much she's she's such an interesting character Mm -hmm. i love to see that she stuck around a while after so i feel like it's all about change and thrag is the one obstacle to that change so was robot i guess in a way but so was he was he the only character who like doesn't change at all through the series he's steadfast in his ways would be the other one yeah but battle beast is top dog yeah, Bobby's top dog. He was right, but um, yeah, yeah no I'm need trying to, to think of if you're perfect. No notes. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't think anyone else. There's probably other characters like maybe the Mahler twins, 
who kind of mm-hmm. change but don't really change. Like they just change to like keep low key mostly. So there are characters that don't change, but they're usually people who roles aren't you know catastrophic. Yeah. Like Battle Beast's role is really just to empower Thrag more. Um, and then and the Mauler twins, yeah, and the Mauler twins are there just to set up you know different character moments for like Robot or Oliver, even though like they're my favorite, like one of my favorite villains in the series. So. I, I want to say that everyone else has a change. Maybe Cecil. Cecil might not change. Remember when the because he's a twins... crusty bitch. All right, leave him alone. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Remember when the Mahler twins were like a very real threat to Mark? Yeah. Oh yeah. After that, <laughs> like, this comic is <laughs> such a good job of never jumping the shark. Like we have our final battle on the sun. In like the craziest Superman level fight I've ever seen in anything ever. Like they were triple Super Saiyan here by the end. And yet it still felt like the same comic where the rock slide guy was a threat early on. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It rules. And I think that was what was so fun about Reboot is going back and seeing where we came from and where we go. I feel like yeah. that was a secondary. I feel like. It was primarily there to show us how Mark changed, but I think it was also a fun way to call back, like, this is how the series has changed before you're about to see. All yeah, like when it goes and yanks that guy up that was making the bomb kids. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I forgot yeah. about you. <laughs> Super fun. I feel like we skipped a huge plot point in this last battle, or maybe I just mm. wasn't paying attention, but mm. has anybody mentioned the fact that Omni Man gets fucking ripped in half? No, oh, we no. didn't mention that. We no, haven't okay. mentioned it yet. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, well, deceased. (laughs) Going into this final battle, Lexi, and actually everyone going into this final battle, who did you predict was going to make it out? And who did you predict wasn't going to make it out? If you can remember the first time you read this. um... I feel like I knew Omni-Man was going to die. I didn't know how, but I feel like I did anticipate it. I didn't think Omni Man was gonna die just because we already had that fake out death from him the last time he fought Thrag. I thought he was gonna be like weakened afterwards, but I really didn't think he was gonna die. Um, what do I think? Maybe Alan. I probably thought was gonna die. <gasps> Alan. I thought Alan was Gonzo. Yeah. I love Alan. Yep. I think when I read it the first time, my money was on Omni Man and, and Alan. Mm, yeah. I like beefed up Alan with the rocks. <laughs> yeah, that's I love Alan. I loved um after he got Alan. hit by the bomb, he does the um the Frank Miller Superman thing where he gets all shriveled and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he just has to sit on a bed for like a month. <laughs> that was that was peak. His relationship falling apart with Mark at the end mm. was like it made sense, yeah. but it's also like kind of kind of upsetting. Where it's like they started out so strong, but it's just like two different ideologies that just couldn't click in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in like 200 years, they become friends again. Mm-hmm. You know? If he's they still alive, he was off. looking, yeah, he was looking pretty old and um crusty there at the end. So. Ah, he's hmm. fine. It's Alan. <laughs> He'll walk it off. It's Alan. Yeah. Probably grow two eyes or something next. Who knows? <laughs> Rub some dirt on it. That's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone just be like Adam Eve and just be immortal. Why don't you just heal yourself? Oh my gosh. When she was freaking dying of old age and she just popped out a freaking new body, I said, bitch. That was dramatic. She knew she could do that the whole time. (laughs) 
we have to Dallas. I feel like this one is this perfect for you. The artwork in that final, um, I think it's all of issue 143 where they're just, or 142, maybe the entire fight in the sun. (laughs) Gracie, Gracie. It was orange. And I said, orange, you glad they're fighting on the sun. This is crazy. Ryan Otley said, I don't got to draw backgrounds, baby. And then they said, bam, 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 bam. And they punched each other. There was viscera. It was very bright. I felt the heat of the sun upon my face. I got my vitamin D from reading this for the day. (laughs) And personally, I think the Mark looks very silly once his hair grows back. All a little (laughs) short. His little buzz cut with his suit on. I was like, idiot. Stupid head. You look like a moron. I think this um, that's all I think in this final fight I think they do a really really great job at keeping the action in the forefront by having such a plain background it's just it's the sun and stars and yet the action still pops out there's little moments of like trick 3D where it's like the characters go over the boundaries of the panels that I really really like it keeps things so dynamic this is such an interesting fight from start to finish, even though it happens in literally the vacuum of space. I think that was so cool. It was also the only time there was an internal monologue in the whole series. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't even notice. Huh. Yeah. Good catch. That's why Invincible's good. Fuck internal <laughs> monologues. Welcome to my TED Talk. Inner monologues oh, are man. terrible. And if you as a writer are using them, ask yourself, can I do this without an internal monologue? And if you can, then do so. It is such a crutch of superhero comics to be like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing and what I'm thinking. I'm narrating what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And then that's going on. And then a conversation starts over the top of it. And then we have three fucking conversations happening at the same time on the same page. I can't follow it. It's stupid. And I hate it. And it's not a worthwhile replacement for the thought bubble because the thought bubble is camp and hilarious and gives us an insight into the that moment, what the person is thinking. Whereas the internal monologue is like always tends to be a more omniscient overview of what's going on. So it does not serve the same purpose. And I would like to see it go away and be replaced with thought bubbles, which Invincible did have. So shout out Invincible. Yeah, fuck real for that. Yeah, <laughs> except no. But yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful, violent finale. Oh, yeah. And let's talk about that last issue. Let's yeah. talk about the last issue. I think it was good. It was, it was, it was good, good, first and foremost. And when first reading Invincible, and like uh, this was like one of the first comments that, like, as I was reading it, I was like reading the back pages and like reading interviews along with it and everything and really getting to know the thoughts that went into this comic. And one of the things about it was that originally, not maybe not originally, originally, but at some point, Robert Kirkman was saying, oh, this is going to be a series that I can see going on past me. So it was always the plan in most people's minds, and I think in Robert Kirkman at one point, to go maybe 150 issues and then hand it off to someone else, a new creative team. But as end of all things came up and they got announced, he said, this is going to be it. We're not going to continue after that. So it kind of, it was really nice to have a comic like this, a big superhero comic that could go on forever and could continue to make everyone a lot of money over and over and over again on repeat forever in the same way like other comics do. It was really nice to have an actual bow on it. And I think the last page is like one of the 
best finale pages to any mm-hmm. superhero story ever. And I think when this happens for people in the show, people are really going to get hit by this in a way that they haven't before in any type of comic book. I don't even know if I want to share the last page or not, because I think it's something that people have to read and read oh, yeah. the entire journey and read to this final issue where you see this future that that's, that's happening, where Eve almost dies, comes back, where Tara and um, Mark have their issues and Mark has issues with Marky. And there's all this drama that we're fast forwarding through, but it feels natural. And we're just looking into this future mm-hmm. and all these potential threats and all these stories that could happen that we'll never see. And it all lives on within us. And then we get to the final page where the book is finally saying, this is it. This is what it's all about. And it hits us with a line. I I just don't want to say it because it's something that I think everyone who watched the show, we all know this line. And everyone who read the comic, they all know the line. So when you get to this point, I think in your read through of Invincibles, which is something you should do, or when you watch the show and it finally gets to this point, it's something that I think a lot of people are unprepared for and haven't seen any finale like this before, especially if you're new to superhero comics. I don't think... I think this will be, if any superhero thing like has never hit you before, this is going to be the line that hits you, I think. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's beautiful. And even just like looking at it now and reading it, I can feel myself getting like really worked up over it because it really just had like such an impact on me and what I look for in comics going forward and in my own writing and so forth. So shout out to Robert Kirkman. You made mm-hmm. me cry every time I fucking read your goddamn comic, you sick son of a bitch. <laughs> Don't get me started on The Walking Dead. God damn it. <laughs> The emotions land perfectly. And I love that there's a conclusion to everything that came before, but also these threads set up that go forward because it keeps the comic alive in your mind and in your heart because it gives you something to ponder about. It gives you something to think about. It gives you, it keeps that curiosity alive that you had reading through the entire series. Like, oh, I wonder where this thread's going to go. I wonder where this thread's going to go. Knowing that they'd all be resolved in the end. And it sets all those up and it leaves them completely open to you, the reader, to just think about and hold with you like angstrom levy's um offspring offspring levy um we have no idea where that goes but if you have an idea where you want it to go that is completely yours to own if you want to know what Tara was up to and doing in the stars that is completely up to you and everything that comes between marcus and um mark and how their relationship develops that's also just you see where it starts and you see where it ends and where it goes after that who knows? I think it's fantastic and so, so smart. I love that they let Cory Walker draw at the end end. Mm-hmm. Issue, yes. artist of issue one, artist of the first page and last page, same artist. I thought that ruled. I think this is the best issue he's ever drawn. It's really good. Oh, yeah, 100%. First off, Tara rules. Growing up, Tara rules so hard. Listen, you you know me. You know I love a strong female character. She is so fucking cool. I need a thousand issues specifically of her and everything she goes. She's an icon. That one page just showing the the two page spread just showing her grow up every single moment. She is perfect. When we she need... gets caught having sex, <laughs> yeah. that boy was beneath you and behind me and on top of me. It's like that's not what I meant. Icon, fucking icon. And also, coolest costume in this whole series. Mm-hmm. Good, the glasses yeah. are good. Mm-hmm. I love that she loved her mom's cape, but it's the only thing she didn't incorporate. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. Also, love the um, the Invincible Corps. That's what I'm going to call them here at the end. All the Viltrumites wearing the classic blue and yellow. They look good. 
I loved Invincible Boy. I really liked Marky in these last few issues. Yeah. I thought he was an interesting character. I thought it was cool, the idea of leaving one Viltrumite behind on Earth to grow up how Mark did. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a cool, interesting character. Mm-hmm. I like that him and Tara don't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much family drama, and it's it's perfect. It's I can say it's perfect over and over again until, you know, Dallas falls asleep here, but that's that's just what it is. <laughs> Lexi, what was your favorite moment from this final issue? Oh, I I feel like just the actual like exactly how Eva said, like the actual ending of the comic mm-hmm. as a whole just struck me so hard and I was like, "Oh, look. All the people I love get what they want." <laughs> Like, it just made me so happy, and it made me, it just made the whole comic as a whole so much better. Mm -hmm. You'll have so many runs that go on for 100 issues or more and get passed around from creative team to creative team, artist to artist, writer to writer, and it'll go so many different ways. It'll take so many random left turns just to try to keep it interesting. It is so special and so rare that we get something like this that goes on for 144 issues and maintains direction for just about the entire way through and sticks to the landing. I think it is just about unheard of. And I think that's the biggest thing that makes this unique is just, it keeps that heart the whole way through. Exactly. Uh, With all that being said, does anyone have any final thoughts on this or the series as a whole before we get into our two viewer questions for this evening? No, no, great comic. Everyone should read it. Best comic great in the comic. universe. Um, untouched. <laughs> Untouchable comic. Seven out of ten. Yeah. Okay, so hi, Comics Collective. I've been looking forward to this episode, and I have a couple of questions. I apologize in advance for how wordy this gets. The Invincible show has shown they're willing to remix or revamp different characters and events from the comic. Um, skipping a little bit. Are there any parts you hope get similarly remixed? Are there any others that you hope stay intact? And the second part of the question, what other non-Big 2 Cape stuff do you guys recommend? I can't wait to hear the episode, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Um, things that I hope get revamped. Um, what we, Everything we talked about with Anissa and yeah. the consequences <laughs> of that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's number one that needs a team of people working on it. Yeah. Um, anything else that needs revamped? Um, more dinosaurs. <laughs> more Terra. Yeah, Tara. give us Terra. T- Terra and dinosaurs. Yeah, the, yeah give them a the spinoff. power together. Yeah, that's a power spinoff. That's the brave and the bold. Imagine if Terra rode dinosaurs around. That'd be awesome. Queen shit. She would too. She would. Um. Yeah, anything for you, Dallas? No. <laughs> anything that we need to stay intact. I think I think the final issue needs to stay intact. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The, everything about um, the end of all things, I think, should stay intact. And reboot should probably just go by the beat, except mm-hmm. for do it the way... However the show does it, or however the show revamps everything, is how reboot should just look. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it should be in the same way reboot was like a one-to-one of the early issues. Um, the reboot should also be a one-to-one of the early episodes. Can you imagine if they lined it up with the show that that was like a season finale is when he wakes up? 
That's I would that probably shit myself. I'd be like, "Are you fucking kidding me right now?" That'd if I had never seen that before, done, <laughs> checked out, game over. That'd Gets people talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gets people talking. Especially if they, for the final season, if they acted like the entire season was just going to be the reboot season, yeah. And then the final season was like two episodes of reboot, and then end of all things. Like, yeah. we could be That'd really doing you. something cool. Oh, for sure. Amazon, pay me. <laughs> the second question is: What other non big, non big two cape stuff do you guys recommend? Black Hammer. Black Hammer. Black Hammer. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Indubitably. Um, I'm going to go Irredeemable. I think Irredeemable is remarkable. So, Promethea you, from Alan Moore. I got to get that one. I got to check that one out. I, they mm-hmm. had an issue. They had a number one at my LCS and I almost picked it up. <laughs> Do it next time. I mean, it's got all the I'll Alan Mooreisms. So, <laughs> good and bad. That, I was going to say, that sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> I read um, one of his short stories and I went, I'm not smart enough for that. I moved. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That says a lot. Okay. We have our second question. Hey everyone. My name is Ant. Thank you guys for making my favorite comic book podcast by far. Invincible is my favorite comic ever. And it's what got me listening to your show. I personally love the growth we get to see from Mark and all the other characters throughout the book and was really satisfied with the ending. My only serious inquiry is of Mark r- running the Viltrumite empire on his own. So many characters that Mark has interacted with had a disdain for, and he had a disdain for, i.e. Robot Cecil Thrag, were leaders who thought their idea for the world and their people was best and acted with sole control over those around them. How do you all feel about him eventually leading the um, Viltrumite Galactic Imperialist Empire on his own, even with the best of intentions? Do you think a council closer to the system used by the Coalition of Planets would have been a better choice, or is Mark justified in foregoing this in order to slow decision-making and bureaucracy? Is the Viltrumite Empire inching away from or back towards a fascist regime? Hmm. What do we think about fascists? I love fascism. Okay. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) Uh, When I said that at the um, beginning of the episode, I got in trouble. (laughs) That's right. Only I can love fascism. Um, I think... There is a difference because Mark, uh, well, I guess it's like kind of confusing. I want to say there's a difference because we know who Mark is and his willingness mm-hmm. to change. And he's shown that willingness and keeping the Viltrumites as a peace corp of, of sorts. Um, and he's he's leading with the actual Viltrumites in mind instead of, you know, his own intentions in that way. So I don't think in this one fictional scenario it's bad that he is like the sole leader because it's still pretty much the the entails of a de- democratic system. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, yeah, there's probably a better way of running it, but um, you know, maybe it's not the bulge my way. Yeah. I guess it just is, it's whether or not you subscribe to the idea of like, do we even need a leadership? Do we need a government at all? Do we benefit from this or are we just better without it? Are we going to get into anarchy here? Who knows? <laughs> that's a it's a very heavy moral question one i'm not ready to do at my bedtime <laughs> yeah, dallas <laughs> is getting sleepy over here it is um sleepy time lexi do you have anything else to add on this question no i think we kind of answered it a little bit throughout the entire episode you know it's just the bits mm-hmm. and pieces that we've commented on and i feel like you and evan put put it to a t so i say we leave it like that 
I say we do too. Sorry for the short answer, Ant, but hopefully listening to the entire episode gave you a pretty solid idea of where we stand on that. And it's past okay. our bedtime. It is past our bedtime. <laughs> With that being said, Lexi, do you want to lead us out here? Absolutely. All right, everybody. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal Twitters at Dallas underscore comics at Ann Comics and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. Evan, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Evan Reads Comics. You can also find me on that Hive social app that I'm trying out. It's pretty interesting. It's also at Evan Reads Comics. You can also find me on the TikTok at Evan Von Doom. You can also follow my podcast at What's Next, a comic book podcast where every month we go over the different solicitations for the big two publishers and also other comic book publishers. And I do it with my co-host, Dallas Taylor. So it's a lot Ooh. of fun. We have fun once a month. Um, and those also have socials such as What's Next Comics for both TikTok and the uh, Twitter. And I've been playing a little bit of energy into the TikTok I'm getting okay at it, but not nearly on Dallas's level yet. Evan, your TikTok show up on my For You page. I try oh, to like every really? single one. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I said, oh, I know him. Uh, and then I like thank it. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate maybe that. I should follow him. Nah. Maybe Anne to, should look in her TikTok down. DMs to all the ones I've sent her. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I send you so many. I send you so I'm many scared things. at this point because the last time I opened it, there was like a hundred messages in there, and I, I was like, every time never again. We record a podcast because that's what I get from Dallas's wife, Addison. A hundred TikToks. Can I do one more plug? <gasps> yes. The Gwenpool Omnibus comes out, and Gwenpool is one of my favorite Marvel characters, and she's not in anything right now and hasn't really been in anything except for one panel appearance in the last, like, two years. So I really appreciate it if people, like, were interested in the character, if they went out and purchased something related to her or read the comics on Marvel Unlimited, just to show Marvel that, hey, you guys are idiots, we want more Gwenpool. Because there's literally, literally, it's not hyperbole, there's one editor over at Marvel who's shutting the whole Gwenpool pool down. Like, there's mm-hmm. one person up there. If you read her comics, you know that, Dallas. I see that face you're making. Read her comics. They talk about it. There's one editor who's just like, I don't like Gwenpool. She's not selling the way I want her to sell. So we're cutting her out. And that's why she isn't in anything anymore. So if you want to show, you know, money is the talking point of every corporation. So if you want to show uh, you love a character, put your money where your mouth is, buy an omnibus, buy a volume, read a book. So please support Gwenpool. I will think about it. Fuck you. <laughs> Uh, no, I really will, because, like, <laughs> I fully planned to get it, and then one time I said that to you, and you went, ooh, you should probably read a little bit before you spend, like, a full 150 bucks on, like... Yeah, Dallas, Dallas that's for you. Know. Everyone else is running 150 bucks on it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Everyone else... What Dallas meant to say is that everybody should buy it. It's a worthy uh, investment for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Cool. If you enjoyed the show... I trust him. <laughs> If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review. We will read it off on the show. Or, better yet, let someone know in person that you love our show and they should check it out. Word of mouth is the very best way to spread the news about this podcast and every listen genuinely counts and means the world to us. Thank you so much. We have some of the best fans in the world. Yeah, yes, we do. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we will see you all next week when we cover Darth Vader by Kieran Gillen. We're finally doing a Star Wars. Star Wars. (laughs) Wait, that was really good. That that was a good one. trumpet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 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 <laughs>
We can't do that. It's copyrighted. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we hope to see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.